Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Life Church. If you're fairly new here, my name is Jeremy Smith, lead pastor, and I'm excited to uh, be with you, worship with you today, and want to say hi to those of you who are watching, participating online. Welcome from where you are here with us today. Um, I'm excited about um, our guest here today, and uh, he's was my youth pastor for a long time, and um, there's so much I could say uh, about Pastor Rick Bennett that, um, that I've got a lot of stories to sh- that I could say that are funny, but, uh, but I'll say this, um, if, if, if God didn't send Rick into my life, I have no idea in this world where I would be. I have no idea. I wouldn't be serving the Lord, I know that much. I know I would not be doing that. This guy, he loved me from the very first moment he met me. Believed in me. Took up time with me. Discipled me. Mentored me. He's paid for more meals than I could count for. So from here on out, I have to buy his, you know. (laughs) But this guy spoke the truth to me has prayed with me, listens to me, and um, has taken me on thousands of trips, uh, lots of trips to minister the gospel, and uh, showed me what it's like to, when you yield your life to the Lord, look at what God can do. And I'm forever grateful for he and Susan, his wife Susan, um, known them for a long time, over 30 years now. And, um, and he's just 25, so I don't know how that works. I don't know how the math, God's math and our math, you know. Um, but I'm excited. And before he comes, I want to say this. We, we will be receiving a love offering at the end of our service today, or you can give it any time electronically through the various uh, op- apps that we have available. But I just want to say this. He, he and Susan st- uh, started a ministry, a missions base called Outpost of Freedom Missions Base in, uh, outside of Phoenix, where they, um, the, kind of the nutshell is this, is they, they center their time and focus their time to help develop and assist Native American pastors on the Apache and Navajo Indian Reservation. And they help write and get all of the children's ministry curriculum to those churches. Because on the res, there's over the years, that next generation doesn't get the attention it deserves. Those young folks don't get the time, the value, and the opportunity that they so deserve. And Pastor Rick and Susan have been working hard for the last, uh, as long as I've known them, and, but they've been dedicating their full-time attention over the last 16 years specifically to that, um, while also pioneering a church in the Phoenix metro area to develop Native American pastors and to bring attention to the next generation and raising leaders up and raising the next generation up on the reservation. Amen? So that God can break curses, so that God can turn lives around, so that God can right the wrongs, so that God's righteousness can prevail. And so I'm very thankful that I have that opportunity over the years to travel and minister with them there. And today, Pastor Rick's going to bring a word. But I'm going to tell you this, the Holy Spirit is going to be strong through this message. And he's going to be strong in what he wants to get across to us today. So can we give our ears and attention to the Holy Spirit, to God's Word, and to this vessel, Pastor Rick Bennett. Hallelujah. Good morning. Hallelujah. My wife sends her love and her greetings. She is at home. Um, she's preaching this morning there in uh, Tempe, Arizona. And... Um, She's uh, preaching for me today, and uh, her, her family is, her, her dad and his wife are wintering with us from uh, Minneapolis, so Phoenix is a good place to go in the wintertime, even though we're having a very mild and cool winter by Phoenix standards, and, uh, but I'm sure it's colder in Minneapolis than it is in Phoenix, but anyway, she sends her love, and uh, we do plan this fall to do one of our driving trips where we get in the car and go around. So hopefully we'll be able to see you sometime this fall and uh, she'll be able to be with me for that. But she did want me to be sure and send you our love, her love. And, and uh, I, I just want to get right on into the word this morning. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Let me uh, get ready here. Caught me off guard. 
Hallelujah. God's good. I've been hearing the Lord say to tell my people that I expect you to steward my presence. To steward my presence. And um, Paul said that the mystery of the gospel, he said, which has been hidden from past generation and ages, but is now made known to the saints, to the people of God. This mystery is this. Are you ready? Christ in me and in you, the hope of glory. Would you say that with me? Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I don't know that we fully get that. And it's unfortunate that many times, even though we're born again, we may not understand that like we need to understand it. Even today in our worship and gathering together, we're stewarding something that is actually within us. I believe in singing and praying for outpourings and things like that. Lord, send your glory and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. And there are aspects of what God does corporately that's a little different than personally. But the beauty of what God wants to do is release from within us. Because he is within us. Amen? So I'm not trying to beg him to find a way to me as much as I am wanting to release something that he's given us to do. Let me give you a great example of this. Peter, if you remember when he came by the man, the lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. You remember when he came by him, he looked at him. And that man, you know, had been lame since his mother's womb. And he was always there at that gate because that was his deal. I don't think he had a cardboard sign, but he was there. And he was begging alms, right? Of the people that would come by. Peter comes by and he says to him. Y'all remember the verse? Silver and gold have I none. But here's the key. But what I have. Everybody say that with me. What I have I give unto you. And then he looks at the man and says. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. See Peter knew what he had. And I believe the Lord's wanting to move us in another dimension of understanding the beauty and power and glory of what we have in Christ. There's so many scriptures I could show you, but my favorite would be the one where it says we have a treasure in our earthen vessels. In these jars of clay, you and I are carrying a treasure, and that is Christ Jesus our Lord, obviously through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that's what the Lord wants to do. So with that in mind, I want you to turn with me, if you would, this morning to Isaiah 59. And I want to begin with verse 18, and then I'm going to read a few verses into chapter 60. There's no chapter break in the prophecy. And I'm going to begin with the New American Standard Version, beginning with verse 18. According to their deeds, so he will repay wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the coastlands he will make recompense. So they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream. Everybody say rushing stream. Which the wind of the Lord drives or the spirit of the Lord drives this mighty river. A redeemer will come to Zion. Hallelujah. Our redeemer has come. Amen. And to those who turn from transgression in Jacob declares the Lord. So we see clearly that the Lord comes and he comes to redeem. He comes as a redeemer by the anointing of the mighty river of the Holy Spirit of God. But look at verse 21, the next verse. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. Okay, now this is the Lord speaking to them. This is my covenant. My spirit, which is what? Upon you, and my words, which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring. In other words, this is the way it's going to be with your children and your children's children and so on. And look what it says. Says the Lord from now. And what? Oh, I had one more word to go to. From now and forever. Everybody say forever. Beloved, please hear my heart. This is how the covenant works. We talk about being in covenant. But the covenant works when the spirit of the Lord God is upon your life and the words of God are in your mouth. Amen? That's how the covenant works. Now I want you to notice something. We're going to go, just keep flowing in the scripture. We're going to go because there's no break here in thought or context. The very next verse is a verse we're very familiar with. Let's look at it together. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. 
For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But what? The Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Everybody say me. Come on, say me. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be carried in their arms. Is that not exciting? When the light of the glory is shining upon the people of God, we're going to see our spiritual sons and daughters coming to us. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm looking for them. Are anybody with me? Anybody with I'm looking for that. But the key is we have to arise and shine. And I wish there was just a switch. I could go, okay, I need to shine. But it's not like that. It requires us to be a people that know what it means to get up and arise. The word there for arise is to awaken unto God. How many of you would agree with me? It seems as though there's the stirrings of awakening. Amen? And happening in places you wouldn't think. Right? And, and, and uh, you know, different chapel services and places like that on university campuses and all that. But something is moving and happening. And I, I want to encourage you today, and I'm not trying to hype it. I, I don't believe in that. But I do believe we have to make sure we're positioned for it. I don't want to be somebody that kind of like sees the taillights of the move of God because I wasn't involved in it. Anybody with me? I want to be right in the middle of what God's doing. And I believe he wants this church to be right in the middle of what God's doing. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, let's go over to the new covenant. Let me just say this, though, before we go. We're going to go to Ephesians 5, but what is the hope? Let's be honest. Would you agree with me deep darkness is upon our generation? Now, what is the hope for them? The light, the glory. Amen? That's the hope for them. Hallelujah. Jesus clearly said to his disciples, and that means you and I, you are the light of the world. Amen? Yes, he's the light that came, but he said, now you're sons of light. And we're to be light bearers. And again, this is the mystery of Christ within us. The hope, interesting enough, the hope of glory. The only hope for those in darkness is that somebody around them who has something will shine. Amen? And reveal that to them. Hallelujah. I believe in intercession. I believe in praying for the lost. But I also believe we're supposed to be a witness. Amen? We can keep asking God to do something. And God said, I really need you to do something. I need you to let me loose. Hallelujah. In your life. Go with me to Ephesians 5. We're going to read quite a bit here. But it's important for us to see the context. And I think you'll see how it aligns with this verse in Isaiah. And I'm going to use the New Living Translation of Ephesians 5. Beginning with verse number 1. Everybody ready? Imitate God. Everybody say, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children... Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, they are not for you. Instead, let there be, say it with me, thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and our God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in things these people do. For once, everybody say, for once, you were full of darkness. Amen? But now, say now, you have the light from the Lord. So live as what? Talk to me. People of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Amen? That light is producing that in you. It's so important. Now look at verse 10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Darkness. Instead, now get this, it's really important. Expose them. Everybody say, expose them. It is shameful. But look at the next verse. It's kind of confusing. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Okay, I thought I was supposed to expose them. Right? Well, look what it says. But their evil intentions, 
Read it with me. Will be exposed when the light shines on them. Hallelujah. You don't talk to them about it. You shine on them. Because you're in darkness and the light comes to you. You know the difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan, would you agree, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Paul wrote that in his Corinthian letter. That Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Here's where we get into trouble about that. Is there times we begin to think that if somebody is blinded by Satan, there's really no hope for them. And the bottom line is, God says, no, light always overpowers darkness. Amen? You, you know, you could, you could blacken this room of all lights and can't see your hand in front of your face and just turn on one of your phones. And there's light that'll come into this dark room, right? But you can't bring light, you can't bring darkness into a lit place. It doesn't work that way, Amen? I mean, I'm not a science teacher, but, you know, I just, um, and Jeremy can testify to that. (laughs) But um, it's the light of glory. Think about it. Evil is exposed, not by us talking about it. Evil is exposed when we shine. And it's not to condemn the evil person. It's to bring them to Christ. Amen? Hello? It's to bring them to Christ. And so sometimes I was realizing I don't need to even be discussing it. I need to be, am I shining for Christ? Amen? Light is more powerful than darkness. We must not be in, can I say this to you? Do not be intimidated or depressed about all the darkness we're seeing. How many of you realize now in this world today, there's not so much of the gray area in between. So many Christians, even Christians, have lived in that gray area in between light and dark. But how many of you know it's getting more and more like you're either in the dark or you're in the light. And you might say, well, boy, that, that's going to be like, no, not really. It, I, I believe it's a divine setup because many in the darkness, when they see pure light, not a little bit of light, when they see pure light and glory, they're going to be drawn to it. Those who were destined to be saved. Amen. And, and so I just wanted you to be encouraged by that because what we're going to see happening is we're going to see people that are going to be confronted with light. And I don't have to talk about their evil deeds. The light is going to draw them to God if I will shine brightly. Amen. It's very important. Because see, this letter was written to a church. It was written to believers. It wasn't written to the world. In fact, it was telling the believers, don't walk and live according to the thing of the world. The ways of the world. Hallelujah. So we have to hold in this hour to the testimony of Jesus. Would you agree with me that the name of Jesus is being blasphemed more commonly than ever before in America? And also, the gospel is being mocked in America. Probably more than I've ever remembered. And I've been saved since the late 70s. But the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached as a witness. Meaning it will be test, it'll be given testimony to, but it'll also be demonstrated. Amen? The gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to what? All nations. And then, everybody say then, the end shall come. You know, a lot of times we look at all the things about the birth pangs and all the things that are going on. And we should be aware of what's going on and where we are in the prophetic time clock and all of that. But the bottom line is our mission has not changed. This gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached as a witness to all nations, all ethnicities, all peoples. Amen. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. And then the end shall come. And so our mission has not changed until the Lord comes. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. For the gospel is what? The power of God unto salvation to he who believes it. Hallelujah. It's still the power of God. It cannot change because the word does not change. So what do we do? What do we do? Become better preachers? Not necessarily. We arise and we shine. Amen? We arise and we shine. Hallelujah. Now, look at the next verse. We stopped at 13, did we not? Yeah, look at the next verse. For the light makes everything visible. And this is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you what? Light. The New American Standard says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Can I, can I tell you today, he, that was written for us to wake up. How many of you ever need wake-up calls spiritually? Come on. I rarely go to a service or a time of prayer that I don't get nudges from the Holy Ghost. Get up. Wake up. Amen. Become alert. Become aware of what I'm doing. Amen. We need to wake up and we need to rise up. In other words, we got to get up. I was a pro when my mama would come wake me up. 
I was a pro about grunting and turning around and snuggling right back into that bed. And then finally, my mama sent daddy to wake me up. It was only so long. You know, she would come in, rise and shine, darling. She would even use the scriptures. <laughs> I didn't even know that at the time. She'd tell me to rise and shine. And then finally, I would hear her say, you know, my father, Fred, Fred, Rick won't get out of bed. So before he would get there, I was up. <laughs> Amen. Because he was going to. He's going to help me get up. Can I kind of say to you, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, we need to quit hitting the snooze bar. We come to a meeting, we respond to something, we have a great time of prayer, a great worship time, or whatever, fill in the blank, whatever, whatever moved you and awakened you, but we don't need to roll back over. Amen? Are y'all with me? I mean, I'm a pro at the snooze bar. Anybody with me? Then you get mad that you hit it and it went off again. Amen? The next verse shows us how to live in the light. How do we rise up and get up? Let's look at it. Verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most, here it is, of every opportunity. In these evil days, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, talk to me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to wake up. Everyone say, wake up. Amen. We need to get up. We need to rise up. We need to stay up. Amen. By walking in the light. And you need to open your mouth and worship the Lord and fill up. Amen? Literally, that means in the Greek imperative there, it means be continually filled with the Spirit by singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Isn't that powerful? It's one of the most powerful ways when you're living and giving that sacrifice of praise to the Lord, it causes you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And and it's a powerful thing. And, and, and it's something we need to understand the power of it and the reason for it. These first four steps are so critical. To awaken, to arise, to get up, amen? And to begin to walk in the light and to begin to be filled with the Spirit in your everyday life. Not just for a couple hours on a Sunday morning, amen? But to be filled with the Spirit in your life. It's a powerful thing. But there's one thing further that we're to take. And that's verse 21. Look there with me. And further, everybody say further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now this is important because how many of you ever heard this before? You need to have a heart for the house. You've never heard Pastor Jeremy say that. No. <laughs> how many of you know we need to have a heart for the body of Christ? Amen. We need one another. There's something very viable here. And I want you to notice something. We need to value gathering together. We need to value that, whether it be a small group, whether it be a, you know, a Sunday morning gathering or any type of prayer meeting or whatever. We need to value gathering together. Are you with me? This is how the early church started, going house to house and to the temple. And they, they were constantly together, breaking bread together and all these things. Because, see, it's together where we have accountability, It's together where we make connections. Because see, your body, you're like a body part, right? You're a member of the body. And no good body part can function if it's not connected. No more than I could cut a perfectly good finger off of my hand. It it can't function just not being connected. And in the same way, and Paul uses this example to describe how the members of the body, when you get connected in the body, now you can begin to function in your gifting. Amen? Amen? You can begin to function in your gifting. So you ought to be trying to get yourself connected to the body. But there's also to understand that we fellowship in the spirit, in the spirit of God. We break bread together with holy communion and all these things. Paul prayed this. He said, I want you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I want the eyes of your heart to be open so you will know the hope of your calling. And then he said this, and the riches of the glory of his inheritance, which is in the saints. Everybody say in me. Come on, put your, put your hand on your belly. Say it's in me. Amen. No, don't say it. He's in me. The glory is in me. Amen. Hallelujah. The spirit of the God is in me. 
That's why he said he wants you to stir up that gift, hallelujah, that is in you. It's important for us to understand that. We need to be able to submit to one another in the body of Christ. And you might say, well, what is this thing about the fear and the awe of being submitted together to one another? When you value it, you'll understand it. We won't turn there, but there's a verse in Hebrews that said, get this, Jesus comes into the congregation, into the midst of us in the congregation, unashamed to call us his family. He loves us so much. He calls us his family. And he actually sings and exalts the name of the Father with us. Is that not powerful? Think about that. And I think when we understand that more, we can understand why we're to assemble with holy fear and reverence. Because Jesus is here today. Amen. He's in the midst of us when we gather together. But we have to value that. Now, I don't mean just in perfect attendance, but in purposeful attendance. Amen? Amen. Not just warm in a chair and amen in the preacher. And you do need to amen me. I expect amens in the South. I'm not in Arizona. <laughs> Shout me down. Come on. <laughs> you remember when Jacob had the dream? Come on. What did he see? He saw a ladder extended from earth to heaven. The Lord stood above that ladder. But also angels. We're ascending up and down that ladder. And you remember, when Jacob awoke from his dream, he said, how awesome is this place? He said, for the Lord was here and I didn't even know it. And you know, a lot of people don't realize when the saints gather, we don't understand the riches of his inheritance that's in us sometimes. Let's be honest. We don't see it that way. And we need to. And he went on to say, he went on to say this, how awesome is this place? For this is none other than the house of God. I get this. And the gate of heaven. Say this with me. The house of God is the gate of heaven. Hallelujah. There's something special. When saints gather, that is the atmosphere for the outpourings of God. Anybody want an outpouring? Amen. We have to value it just like everyone else did. I appreciate Jacob's uh, candid being open and honest that, you know, I didn't even realize the Lord was here. And it's a powerful thing. And by the way, he wasn't in a building He was laying on a piece of ground with his head on a rock. But what he got a revelation of was the house of God. It's not this facility. The house of God is sitting beside you right now and behind you and around you. Hallelujah. The house of God. And Jesus is in the midst of us today. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Praise his name. Glory be to God. And Paul prayed we'd have this revelation. Because I believe when we get this, it changes our church dynamic. Amen. We get out of a religious dynamic understanding and we get into a spiritual understanding of what God wants to do in Ephesians we won't turn to this verse in Ephesians over in chapter one he said this Christ Jesus is the head of the church his body everybody say his body the fullness of him get this who fills all in all so what is the fuller representation of Jesus on the earth his people any, no, any one man or woman, I don't care how anointed they are, can fully represent Christ to you. But when the body understands this and we begin to gel in that way, there's a fuller expression of Jesus unlike the world's ever seen. And that's the bride he's coming for. Amen? So we have to believe for this and contend for this and press into this. Amen? If we want to be a part of the end times generation. Hallelujah. That's the fuller revelation. Again, many who are taught or caught up, I should say, in the deepest of darkness, they will be drawn to the light. They will be drawn to the light because you and I have awakened and we've risen up and we've begun to walk in the light. Amen? And we're continually filled with the Spirit of God. In James chapter 4, it says that he jealously, get this, he jealously desires his Spirit whom he's placed within us. He's jealous for his Spirit. Now, In the Passion Translation, uh, I'll just read it to you. The spirit, get this, that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intently desires to have more and more of us. Isn't that good? He's like a jealous lover. You know what the context for that was? He says, don't be adulterers by being a friend with the world. Wow. God said, I'm jealous. I've placed my spirit within you. Amen. My spirit is within you. And I'm jealous to have more of your life. But if we are enamored with everything else in the world, how can we be enamored with the glory of God? 
How many know that has to change? Amen? Amen. It has to change. If you thought that was written 2,000 years ago, I think it applies today like never before. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me? It's really the heart of the matter. It really is. To not live a life grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit, but to live a life where we're more aware. How many of you want to live a life where you're aware of him at all times? In the marketplace, at work. Amen? Come on. In any situation, you're aware of him. We kind of expect to want to be aware of him in a meeting. But what about in our everyday life? To live aware of the Holy Spirit. So that we don't come back to his presence and have to spend 20 minutes repenting. Because we were offending him. Amen? Guys, he's not merely a power. He's God. He's the spirit of the living God. Amen? He's a person who can be grieved and be quenched. Hallelujah. Paul closed his second Corinthian letter with this letter. Leather? I don't think so. Letter with this verse. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, get this, and the love of God the Father and the fellowship or communion with the Holy Spirit be with you all. I, in my heart, and I, I know the Lord's anointed me, uh, worship leading, pastoring, teaching, and all of that. Nice pat on the back for Rick. All of that, and I love the anointing, and we need the anointing. But let me just say something. We have, I, I believe there's aspects of the anointing that can't be released unless we walk in fellowship and communion. Would you agree? How many of you want to want to set forth for the rest of this year, especially just to say, Lord, I want to really know how to walk with you in my everyday life. Amen. And be in that communion with you at all times. You know what will happen is you'll find in your life people will be drawn to you because you've left the lights on. Amen. Because the lights are on. They'll, they'll even say something to you. Have you ever had this happen? I don't know what it is about you, man, but, you know, I kind of want what you have. When you're in darkness, the light is attractive. Amen. And that's what God wants for us. We, we, in, our, in our church, we always start the year like many churches do with a time of prayer and fasting together and seeking the Lord, you know, a Daniel fast or whatever you want to call it. And, and I just kind of wrote a prayer guide for us to be praying into uh, this whole thing about altars. How many know an altar is not just a space in the front of the church? Amen? An altar is not a piece of furniture in a sanctuary. The altar, while it is a place or a table for sacrifice to be made, but an altar is a place where you and your heart connect with God. Amen? And we talked about it. I said, you need to be devoted to the altar of the secret place. Every one of us, right? Where we get alone with God. Because Why do we do that? We intersect with God in a way that we can't on any other altar. There's also the altar of coming to the Lord's table to break bread and take communion. Amen? That could be a powerful altar in your life, individually and corporately. And then there's also the altar of his word, where you get into the word of God and you, you relate to God through the word. You don't just read scriptures. Are you with me? Where it comes alive to you, where you connect with God. It's where heaven connects with your heart at these altars. Are you all with me? How many of you know your giving is an altar? Your giving is an altar because, see, giving is supposed to be worship. What do we call it? An offering. It's worship unto the Lord. Amen? It's the place where the worshiper touches God and God touches the worshiper. How many want altars in your life to be active and reestablished? But let me say this to you. There's another altar. Are you ready for this? And it's this, where we assemble together. The altar of assembling together as God. As the house of God, I'm sorry, the family of God, as the royal priesthood. It's the altar of the congregation. And can I tell you, it's in the altar of the congregation in the house of God where we assemble. That is where outpourings take place. That is where encounters with the Holy Spirit come. That's where revival begins. Amen? You need your secret place time, but you need the corporate time too. Amen? And we need to have an expectancy of what God wants to do because he will always, get this, he will always honor a people who are in one accord. And I'm not talking about a Honda. Some of you get that later driving home. He honors a people that are in agreement. Everybody say agreement. Amen. You know that word agreement when Jesus said, we're two or more agree? It's a word in the Greek, it means symphonio, where we get the word symphony. And if you look it up, it means to sound the same. So when we're worshiping and singing and praying in one accord, 
something powerful happens. And Jesus says, there I am in the midst of you. Even if just two of us get together. Hallelujah. He comes into the midst of that. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you with that. You know, in the early church, James stands up at the council of Jerusalem and he quotes an old passage in Amos chapter 9 about the restoration of the tabernacle of David. What we need to understand about that, that is a restoration of a people that will gather in front of the glory and presence of God like they did in David's tent with anointed psalmists and minstrels and worship leaders and the people joining together to experience the glory of God. And when you read that and you read the passage, here's the reason why it will be restored in the church age is because it's so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Have you noticed when there is an outpouring in a place and something special is happening, everybody wants to get there. Have you noticed that? Everybody wants to get to that place. And it's not about geography. It's about where an altar has been established. Amen? An altar of worship. And God says, where, where this is taking place, this is a place where everyone else can find me in a very powerful way. Are y'all receiving this? Receiving this. It's just another one of those ancient prophecies. The Bible says Jesus, well, Peter in his second sermon said that Jesus will remain in heaven until a restoration of all things spoken by the mouth of the prophets from even ancient times. So even some of these ancient passages are going to be renewed, (laughs) repurposed in the kingdom of God. Isn't that powerful? Are you with me? And so we need to understand that and what God wants to do. It's just another one of the many passages. Because I believe this, the glory of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I believe that. I believe that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. I believe he's coming for a church that's glorious without spot or wrinkle. Amen. I believe he's coming for a bride who is ready. Not a bride that's caught off guard. Oh, let me go get my dress. Right? But a bride who's ready. Say ready. Hallelujah. So how do we walk in this arise and shine lifestyle? How do we release the hope of glory from within us? Just walk in the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? You know, throughout the charismatic Pentecostal movement and the teaching on the gifts, how many know information about the gifts is good? You need to understand what they are. But how many know it's not enough to just have information? When Paul taught on the gifts, he said, he said, pursue love and desire earnestly the gifts. It's the love and the power. It's the power and the love. Amen? That we can walk in the reality of that. Because a knowledge of the gifts alone is not enough. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul describes those who are in Christ as being a new creature. How many new creatures are here today? Amen? You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It said that we've been reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Jesus, his son. Amen? And we have become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that powerful? But he also says in that same chapter that he has given us a ministry and a word of reconciliation. You might say, well, I'm not a minister. Yes, you are. If you're born again, you're a minister. And your life is to bring reconciliation, help others be reconciled unto God. And and as he closes that chapter, and again, there's not a chapter break in the letter. But I want you to look at the next verses after this. It's 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. Look there with me in the New American Standard Version. And working together with him. If you have your Bible, underline that. Working together with him, we also urge you to not receive the grace of God in vain. Now stop right there before you read further. In other words, don't take his grace for granted. Amen? Amen? In other words, don't let the grace of God have no real effect on your life. I mean, the grace of God should have a dramatic effect on our lives. Would you agree? Hallelujah. Now look at verse 2. This is powerful. For he says, get this, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Behold, now is, say it, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You might say, well, what does that mean? Because he heard me on my day. It means every day you and I go out is somebody's day. Amen? Every day we go out into this world, it's somebody's day of salvation if we'll live with the lights on. Hallelujah. 
Are y'all getting where we're going here? If we'll live with the lights on. Because see, guys, I want to see, I want to experience glory. I want to experience the power and presence of God like I've never experienced before. I love all of that. I do. But he didn't come to entertain us. He came to bring unto us spiritual sons and daughters. Amen? Who are going to go forth and resettle desolate cities and possess nations for the glory of God. So it's important that we have a harvest. And the older I get, I realize we need a harvest. Amen? It's important for us to understand that. Beloved, I believe if we will awaken and arise and begin to shine, we will see the church not only revived, but become more glorious. And then we'll be ready for our bridegroom king when he comes. We'll see our sons and daughters coming. I'm excited. You know, the early church, it said the Lord was adding to their number, get this, daily, those who are being saved because they were in the light. And then it also says the disciples among them were multiplying. Hallelujah. Sometimes you can't get one person to want to agree to enter into some discipleship. But that has to change, and it will change. I say that in Jesus' name. The early churches in the book of Acts, the reason I love the book of Acts is they're examples to us of the church that Jesus is building. Amen? He said, I will build my church. And that first church at Jerusalem was like a prototype. Before they got scattered and went to the Gentiles, they were like a prototype for us. I believe that with all of my heart. Uh, let's look at another passage in Acts 5, 14. Acts 5, 14. Look what it says here. All the more believers in the Lord, multitudes, ever say multitudes, of men and women were constantly added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Now, I want to continue in the text because you remember what else Jesus said? He said we would be what? Salt and we'd be light. And what else? A city set on a hill. I believe he wants New Life Church to be a city set on a hill for Jackson. He wants you to, another analogy God used, he described churches as what? Lampstands. You don't light a lamp and place it under a bushel. You light a lamp and you put it on a lampstand because that gives influence. Everybody say influence. The light has influence when you shine. But if we hide the light and just our mantra is only Christ is in me, Christ is in me. Like in a mason jar sealed off. Amen. But he's wanting to shine forth from us. Are y'all still there? So here, here we are. Now look at verse. Here's how the, that early church became a city set on a hill. Look there with me. Verse 16. Also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem. We could say the Jerusalem metropolitan area, right? How about the Jackson metro area, amen? They were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were, and they were, until we all say it, I'll keep repeating it, and they were all being healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does anybody want to be a lampstand church? Amen? Amen. I believe that's what God's calling us all to. And we have to get back to the prototype that he established. Now, I believe that most people in spirit-filled churches are truly born again. They've heard the gospel. And therefore, they certainly are not blinded by the enemy in relation to salvation. Do we all agree? We're not blind. So this blindness is upon the lost. But the issue that much of the church, I believe, has to deal with today or battle against, I'll put it that way, is a spirit of slumber. It's a spirit of apathy, lukewarmness, fill in the blank. It's just that spirit. Um, When um, Zephaniah describes it as a stagnant spirit. And I think the King James says, a people who are settled in complacency. How many of you have ever been settled in complacency? My hand's up. It's easy to go. How many of you know that slumbering spirit, it, it beckons you to come take a nap? Withdraw from the Lord, withdraw from the church, withdraw from your relationships, withdraw from fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Does it not? It, you know, I'm too busy, I'm too tired. Uh, and we get pulled into this thing and we get drowsy. Why else would he write to the church and say, you need to wake up? Because you're asleep. And when you wake up, it'll be like a dead man getting up. That's how sleepy they were. And it, it's what the Lord's saying. And, and I'm, I'm telling you guys, this is the word for me. To get, get awake and stay awake. Amen. Hallelujah. But it says in that passage in Zephaniah, by the way, it's, it's in the first chapter, I think it's verse 12. Zephaniah 1, 12, you want to look it up. But it says there, 
He says, here's what the complacent or the stagnant in spirit say. I mean, you know, something stagnant, it's not moving. That's why it's, you know, we're supposed to have rivers of living water flowing out of our innermost being. Amen? And if we're stagnant, something ain't right. You may have Christ in you. I'm not saying you're not saved. But are we releasing the glory? And then he says this. He said, they say in their hearts, here's how to know. Okay, you ready? Pull your toes in so you won't get offended. They say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. In other words, it has to be believers because, you know, you don't believe God's doing evil, but you can also believe he's not doing anything either. Right? What, what, what causes us to get sleepy? Disappointment, frustrations, right? We, get, we feel let down. We feel like, you know, whatever we're believing is, you know, we just feel like we're just, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like, what do we call it? Heaviness is on us, you know? And I mean, that's a real thing. Can anybody, can anybody relate? That's a real thing you got to deal with. And I believe we have to deal with it corporately and individually. And I'm just going to go on and say it. It's an evil spirit. Because when the Lord, when Isaiah described the anointing of the Lord, when Isaiah described the anointing of the Lord that Jesus quoted from, when he stood in the, in the, and quoted from this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said to grant them a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. It's an evil spirit, and it's heavy. Now, I'm not saying you're possessed, but you could be oppressed. Amen? And it's a, the, the, One translation says a spirit of fainting. When I would teach to the youth, you remember this, I say it's a spirit of quit. It's a spirit of throw in the towel. Amen? Anybody ever thought that one? Hallelujah. What's the remedy? Put on, come on, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You could say instead of a spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today, praise is still ordained by God to silence the enemy. Hallelujah. God still inhabits praise. One translation said he is enthroned upon praise. Hallelujah. And this is my favorite part. Because we can look at our churches and think, we just feel barren. We don't have any new life among us or whatever. But what did Isaiah say in Isaiah 54? Shout and break forth with joyful shouting. You who have borne no child. Amen. Praise will break the barrenness off of your life. And it brings fruitfulness. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Come on. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Things shift when you open your mouth. And become filled with the Holy Spirit. Probably one of the saddest, probably one of the saddest things we see in the Bible is when David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back in, and he's dancing before the. He even took off his priestly, you know, kingly garment and laid it aside. And with his linen ephod that he worshipped in, he worshipped before the Lord and all of the people with all of his might, dancing before the Lord unashamedly. Because all he wanted was for the Ark of the Covenant, which is represented to, to us of the glory of God, back into the temple. And as David is approaching and celebrating, his wife, Michal, the daughter of Saul. By the way, the Bible refers to her as the daughter of Saul. Now, her husband is David, the worshiper, the man after God's own heart. But Saul, it says she looked down from her window at David and despised him in her heart. She despised him. She despised his worship. She even mocked him, said, oh, how the king distinguished himself today. That was not a sincere statement. Are you with me? And it says this. It's so sad. It said, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. She was barren. Now, now what can we learn? If we don't learn how to break out of the slumber and put on the garment of praise and enter in, we will always look back and say, I just never saw any fruitfulness. Are y'all with me? Because barrenness is also a spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is an encouraging word. Don't be upset. This is an encouraging word. And we need to hear it. So that's why Ephesians says, we're to what? Be filled with the spirit. Singing and making melody. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Amen. Unto one another. Because I believe if we will awaken, he will shine on us. Because I believe the word of God. I believe the word of God. You might say, well, how do you know this? Because he's jealous for us. He gets excited. Oh, they're, they're drawing unto me now. Amen. I'm going to draw unto them. He's jealous for us. And he, 
can I, can I maybe take the pressure off of you a little bit? He wants it more than you do. Amen? He wants our all more than we want to give it to him. Hallelujah. And our hearts will awaken and he will shine on us. But there's another thing you should never forget. We won't turn there, but you know the verse. You can jot this down if you want to look at it later. This is another reason I'll never forget this verse. The Lord gave me a revelation of this years ago. Isaiah 42, 3. Listen, a bruised reed he will not break. And a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. How many of you heard that before? Our God is not in the reed breaking off business. He doesn't come to a broken person and just annihilate them and rip them up. That's not his heart. He doesn't come to someone whose wick is just smoldering. They're not shining very brightly. Amen? Or maybe you feel like your wick's just not even smoldering. He doesn't come along and snuff you out. Are y'all getting this? That's not the heart of our Father. But he comes to restore and to bring about justice. Say amen. He's a restorer, and it's who God is. Now, I want to exhort you before we pray. I really want to exhort you. Consecrate your heart to all the altars of the Lord, okay? The altar of the secret place. The altar of holy communion. The altar of his word, abiding in his word, amen? And the altar in your giving. Guys, giving is worship. And when you start to give is worship, it'll change everything about your giving. It really will. There'll be a joy in it. You might say, why is it so important? Get this. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Think about that. You, literally, you're giving. If you do it as worship, it'll direct your heart all the more toward the Lord. I mean, you know, we need that in this hour. We need to have that understanding. I'm not just giving to get something. I'm giving because it's my worship unto God. Hallelujah. And all of those things are powerful But let's also honor this, the gathering together, assembling together. And I pray today you will see the value in this and what God's called us to be as a church. Let's all set aside our religious ideals, our religious thoughts, our religious experiences, and let's look at the word because something fresh is going to happen. I believe that. He said times of refreshing would come. He wants to refresh us. Amen. We don't need to live in a, I've experienced some great things, but I can't go back there. I can't go back there. Paul said, I got to forget what's behind and press forward in God. And I believe God's beckoning us to press forward into something incredibly power here at the, powerful here at the end of the age. Hallelujah. Let me take you to another verse in Hebrews 10, 24. Look at verse, you know this verse well, New Living Translation. Let us think of ways to what? Talk to me. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect what? Our meeting together, as some people do, okay? But what? Talk to me. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, how many of you know we're closer than anybody that's ever lived to the day of the Lord? So that word, especially, should apply to us. Most of you are more familiar with the, what it says, and all the more as the day of the Lord draws near. Everybody say all the more. I want you to stand with me. Come on, everybody say, put your devices down, please. Put your Bibles beside you. Seriously, put, 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 everybody do that. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to shout hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on again. Hallelujah. Say this with me to the Lord. Just say this with me to the Lord. Awake, my soul. Again, place your hand over your heart. Awake, my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, King of glory, I open my heart to you. I open my heart to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beloved, we individually must wake up and we must rise up because nobody can do it for you. Nobody in this room can do this for you. Amen. Now, if you would, would you lift your countenance toward heaven, your face toward heaven? Would you just place your hands out in front of you? as receiving something from the Lord right now, just a a moment of surrender unto Him and to what He wants for you, the will of the Lord for you. Hallelujah. I'm going to lead you in a song in a moment. But before we sing it, I want you to know this is for everybody. And if you'll receive it, 
with your agreement, God wants to do something. So I am not angry at any of you in this room, but I am going to speak to something that I despise, okay? So I'm going to use some forcefulness. Are you ready? Are you ready? I take authority over the spirit of slumber that is on the people of God. That spirit of sluggishness, that spirit of complacency and apathy. You spirit of heaviness, you have to go out of and off of the people of God. Go out in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. Now shout again. Shout again. Shout again. Hallelujah. Oh, King of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead. As long as you need to do it. Lead one course before the one I gave you. I just follow in the Holy Spirit. Stay in G. Sing this. There is none like you. No one else. No one else can touch my heart like you do for I could search for all eternity long and find that there is none like you some of you need a touch from the Lord and before we pray at the altar I just want you right now to receive a touch from him just where you are there is none like Sing it as you pray to the Lord. No one else can touch my heart like you do. For I could search for all eternity long and find that there is none like you. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, take joy, my King, in what you hear let it be a sweet sweet sound oh let it be a sweet sweet sound oh let it be a sweet sweet sound in your ears. You've noticed that you're lighter in your spirit and in your soul right now. Just keep worshiping him. Just keep worshiping him. Just keep worshiping him as we wait before him right now. The heaviness left and it's gone and I don't want you to walk out and pick it up in the parking lot. So let's press in and press through for just a few moments. Hallelujah. Sing this. There is nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare your living hope. Your presence, Lord. sing with me everybody sing I've tasted and I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord come on invite him with all of your heart. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come.
this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. I want us to sing part of that verse again. And I, I really felt the Lord want us to emphasize something. He comes, and not only does He forgive you and set you free, but the shame that you feel, He wants to undo it today. Amen? The shame you felt that maybe you've not walked uprightly. Every, there's not a verse I shared today that doesn't make me want to repent. Amen? But I, I, I want you to understand that the enemy wants to, if he can't put heaviness on you, he'll cloak you with shame. He'll try to cloak you with shame. And the Bible says, I'm not ashamed. Amen? Say, I'm not ashamed. I believe there's something special the Holy Spirit wants to do when we get to that part. So let's sing it again. I've tasted and seen what the sweetest of love. My heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Reach over and touch your neighbor on the shoulder to your right and to your left in the body right now. Say it with me. Everybody say it together. All shame be gone, be undone off of the body of Christ. We are not ashamed for we are the children of God redeemed by the blood, redeemed by the blood, the blood of the lamb. Go, shame, go. Freedom, come. Freedom in the Holy Spirit. Let's sing it again. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Lift your voice. Come flood. Over your heart, welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your just in the moments here this morning but we want them in our everyday lives we want to go deeper Lord amen come on if you're agreeing with me pray pray and agree with me right now activate your heart by opening your mouth and begin to pray let's agree together Father we pray for the dynamic of the Holy Spirit that when this church gathers the atmosphere is charged with Holy Spirit that the atmosphere is charged with the glory and power of the wind of God 
that would come upon us in a mighty way. Lord, we pray for outpourings and times of refreshing and revival in the presence of the Lord. It's our desire, Lord. And we just say, Lord, here we are at at New Life Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We say, Lord, here we are. Let us be a well of revival. Let us be a people who know how to steward your presence so that many of the sons and daughters that are destined for your kingdom would come in and find a place here to drink of the wells of salvation. Hallelujah. Lord, let us have a paradigm shift of awakening and rising up like never before. And we would realize, Lord, with holy fear, we would know the riches of the glory of your inheritance is in the saints. It's actually in the church. Say this with me, Jesus. Everybody, Jesus, we honor you as the head of this body the church and we believe that you fill all of us in all of us hallelujah and father today i pray that there be anyone that is shrouded in mystery today i pull back the veil we pull back the veil in the name of jesus we call for the eyes of your heart to be enlightened and open that you would know the mystery of christ in you the hope of glory Lord, that we might live as a people, as the early church did, where we would say to any situation, I maybe can't help you there, but what I have, I give to you. Say that with me. What I have, I give to you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray today this response to your word will truly be a lasting response of awakening. And that we will build more and more with excitement and expectation. It will fill our hearts, Lord. That we won't just longingly be jealous what's going on somewhere else. But we would realize, Lord, you are calling us to enter into it right here. Do y'all believe Jackson needs the glory of God? I'm serious. Do you believe? And you know, it's not going to be just this church. There's a lot of churches around here that have the same hunger. Amen. And I believe God wants to use you as a spark for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.